0: Uh, We're going to be talking today about the masks that we wear. And this is part of a sermon series um, that I'm putting together right now, um, because all of us tend to to wear masks. The masks we're talking about this morning is a mask of knowledge. Now, if you can see the screen there, the the picture that I'm going to use for the background here throughout the message is a picture of two bridges. Do you see them side by side there? That's in, in Pakistan. It's kind of over a gorge It's a bridge there, and you would think, well, that might be a bridge that an adventurer would like to be on. I'm not sure why there's two of them. Maybe the one on the right is worn out, but I can tell you they both look worn out from where I'm standing. You might think, maybe that's an extreme sports kind of thing. You know, those crazy mountain climbers do that. But if you look carefully, you'll see there's two people on there, and they're both women, and they're both carrying things. And evidently, this is the means whereby this is the way that these women go and get groceries, perhaps, food for their family, go to their jobs, get water, whatever it is that they need to get. They get it on that kind of shaky route. I look at that and I think to myself, I cannot imagine myself, every time I needed to go somewhere, maybe every day of their life, stepping onto such a shaky platform as that rickety bridge and trying to walk across that. That would just be way too stressful for me. It's way too unstable for me to use that kind of thing for transportation. But here's something that occurred to me as I was thinking that kind of a thought. I think that maybe I do that every day. Now, it's not that I get on a bad bridge every day, you understand. But I do sometimes allow myself to try to stand on something that isn't real stable. It's a little bit shaky. Sometimes I kind of put a mask on my face and depend on it to provide for me something that only God can provide. And in doing that, I'm taking a similar risk to what I would be taking were I to walk across East Bridge. Because masks are risky. Now, as we go back to this concept, I want to be clear about something. Um, you guys get the sermon before the sermon, and then you get the sermon that is a sermon, and then when I go home, I get the sermon after the sermon. <laughs> I don't really. My wife never preaches to me. My wife is always gracious to me. She is so much better than I deserve. And she is so valuable to me. She is the best thing, humanly speaking, in my world. She said to me, when I did the mask sermon, she said, you know, somebody could have listened to that and gotten the idea that it's always wrong to wear masks. And as I thought about it, as I listened to it, that's true, you could. So I kind of want to go back to this and just say this sentence, that everyone wears masks. Sometimes we have to often it is appropriate to wear masks. It is appropriate not to just be a bleeding heart and show that to every individual you meet, whether it's in your church or in a small group or in McDonald's or at a football game. It's inappropriate to just show that and spew that out all the time. And when you're angry, sometimes you can't show that anger. It's just wrong to do that. And so you need to put on a mask and, and kind of wait until you can deal with that in a more healthy way. That masks are sometimes okay to wear and sometimes essential to wear. But there are masks that we wear that are marked by some of the problems that I mentioned a few weeks ago. There are masks that are false faces so people never really see who you are. It's not a good mask. And there are masks that prevent meaningful ministry because we never allow people in and therefore they never see the real us and we can't see the real them. And there are masks that prevent you from being who we are. There are masks that we put on to pretend or to cover over our faults and our hurts. They let us pretend everything's okay when everything is not okay. They make us believe we are who we should be when we are not who we should be. They even distract us from who we really are so we never become aware of who we are and we never become who we should become. The mask I'm speaking to you about today is this mask of knowledge and this is a mask that fits very well on my face. I am sad to tell you. It's a mask belonging to the person who knows. When you think of this mask, you say, oh yeah, the mask of knowledge, that's probably like those bookworms. The guy that likes to hang out in the library, he's got the, the mask. The guy that got, he got the straight A's in in, in school, that's the mask. of He's scholarly. Is that the guy you're talking to? Yeah. But it's more than that. I mean, maybe it's the guy that knows all about shocking a well. I don't even know what that means. I, I feel like it involves electricity, but I can't imagine that. But you know, this guy, oh, I know about shocking well. You don't know about that, Pastor Steve? Well, let me explain it to you. I've shocked more wells than you can possibly imagine. I'm an expert well shocker. And he has this face that is incredibly masculine and male that knows about that stuff. Right? Or maybe it's the woman who knows all about babies. She knows about nursing, she knows about teething, she knows about, she is in the know about all things infant, you know? And, and that pretty soon becomes her identity. This is who I am. I am the woman who can help you when you're having trouble with your infant child. I know what causes colic. The doctor doesn't, but I do. And so maybe that's a mask that she wears of knowledge on her face. When I was a kid, I wore a mask of knowledge that knew what good music was, that no one else knew what good music was. And so all the pop music that all my buddies were listening to, I was like, you have got to be kidding. That's kiddie rock. That is kiddie rock, you know? I know this musician none of you know and he has this exotic talent that none of you could begin to understand and it was a mask of knowledge that I wore on my face. I know something that you don't know. Or it might be the girl who knows what not to wear. (laughs) She knows which clothes to wear to school and she criticizes everyone who doesn't know. Whoa! Whoa! What was she thinking when she got up this morning? Wow, that's just wrong. She's a fashion expert. She's wearing a mask of knowledge. But that mask of knowledge is quite possibly covering something inside her soul. She doesn't want you to see She doesn't even want to see it herself. Now let me be real clear on this. Knowledge is not a problem. It, It is good to know how to shock a well. And it is good as well to know not to wear bad clothing that will distract from what you're trying to say. Right. But when we begin to use knowledge to cover our pain or to cover our insufficiencies or to cover our sin even, that's when it becomes a problem. Now you can see the mask of knowledge here and there in the Bible, in the New Testament in particular, and generally when you see the the mask of knowledge, it comes in the form of the theologian or the Bible scholar. It's a mask that a a lot of us, a lot of us become familiar with. I I mean, I, I told you already, I wear it sometimes. I have a lifetime of Sunday school classes. I have a lifetime of church services three times a week. I have a lifetime of youth group, a lifetime of church camp, a lifetime, not a lifetime, but four years of Bible college that I managed to squeeze into five. Seminary, endless numbers of small groups. And you can see this mask is always, this mask of knowledge about the Bible is always within my grasp. And that temptation can be hard to ignore. And how ironic is it that the Bible and Bible knowledge is something that is a gift from God that is given to you and me so we can know Him better. And yet, when we wear it as a mask, it can become a problem in our spiritual life and a hindrance to our knowing Him well. Not because there's something wrong with the Bible or knowing the Bible. There's nothing wrong with the Bible. No, it can become a problem because we use it to... Hide our faces so that we cannot be seen for who we are by others, by ourselves, by God. Now I want to look at three passages of scripture that speak ever so briefly about knowledge. And the first one you can see, it's on the screen, there's a direct contrast set up between knowledge and love. Look at the text as I, as I read it. It's from First Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is writing to a group of Christians in a city called Corinth, and he says now, about food sacrificed to idols. I'm going to talk to you about this. Let me just talk to you about this. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not know, do not yet know, as they ought to know. But whoever loves God, he's known by God. Contrast between knowledge and love. The second passage, you get to see a contrast between what passes as knowledge and, uh, real truth. And he almost seems to be saying knowledge is kind of chatter, kind of mindless chatter. Paul, again, is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and as he's wrapping up the first of his books, the first of his letters to Timothy, he says, Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas. That are falsely called knowledge, in which some have, which some have professed, and in so doing, have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Wow. So I could have this stuff called knowledge, or maybe something falsely called knowledge, and really not have the truth at all. How about that? Here's a third passage. And the Apostle Paul is again writing to a group of Christians, this time in a place called Colossae. And he sets up what I think is the key here to understanding this, that you can actually trade knowledge for Christ, or rather Christ for knowledge." He says in verse eight, "See too that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ." Wow. So I could be taken captive by some knowledge, some thinking, that would actually that would actually be counter to knowing Jesus. Now, I want to talk to you about this knowledge thing. I just want to give you a couple different kinds of knowledge as we're talking here. And the first one I want to talk about is religious knowledge. Religious knowledge shows up in a number of ways. I just want to share a couple of them with you. The first way is through religious experience. I had a religious experience, so I'm okay. That is my mask. It is a mask of religious experience. I went to the altar. And so now I'm not angry with my cousin because of what he did when I was a little boy. I, 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 I had a religious experience. I got that covered. Okay, going to the altar? Good thing. Do it anytime you feel led to do so, right? Using that event as a mask so you don't have to deal with what you went there for? <laughs> what is that? That would be just wrong, right? When we use a religious experience to hide... And to avoid meaningful and challenging communication and conversation with brothers and sisters in Christ, that's a problem. Willis, Willis, I I need to talk to you about something. Just as your pastor, I've noticed, just in the past couple months, something is different about you. It's been hard for me to put my finger on it, Willis, but I just sense you have a lot of anger these days. Can we talk about that a little bit? I'd like to help you with that. If I could, because I know anger, Willis, and, and and I think Jesus can help you. Could you and I speak about that? Oh, wow, Pastor Steve, I can't believe you brought that up. I'm really glad that you did, because just this past week, I was re- listening to a podcast, and, and the pastor was speaking about anger, and I got that all taken care of. But thanks for bringing it up. That was really good of you. Mask of knowledge. I had the religious experience. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with the real issues. Here's another way this religious mask of knowledge shows up on it. It is through, I just memorized the entire book of Leviticus this past month. Really? Who memorizes the entire book of Leviticus? Nobody, but different times in my life, I have wanted people to feel like I had a great knowledge of Scripture and a great knowledge of theology. I I want to point to that, and I want to say things like... uh, Well, in the Greek, you know what that word means. It's agape. It's it's not phileo there, it's agape. And I kind of want to just throw that out like, look at me. Look at that. Your pastor knows Greek. You know, I was reading in in Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. I read all 1,600 pages of that. And I was reading in there, and it kind of says this. Mask of knowledge. Or, I study this passage in great detail. Let me tell you what it means. You find those guys in Bible college, you find those guys in seminary, and you find those guys in church pews. (laughs) In church pews. Self-proclaimed theologians. Now, please don't misread me on this. I am not saying that going to the altar and experiences with God are not of any value. They are of great value. I believe in personal experiences with Jesus. I have them. And anyone who knows them, knows him rather, has them. Nor am I saying that uh, you don't need to check the Greek ever and you shouldn't read Grudem. I check the Greek all the time because I write sermons and I need to and because I want to know. And I've read, I honestly have read Grudem in the past two weeks, even though I read him years ago. I'm not saying you should stop trying to get knowledge. I am saying let's not sport a shiny mask of knowledge before our faces, because that's just hiding. People don't hide just behind religious masks. Sometimes they hide behind non-religious masks. They do this by calling themselves atheists. Or if they're a little better educated, they might say they're agnostics. And it lets them hide. They don't even have to use the word atheist, really. They can simply say something like, I'm just not religious. I can remember a few years ago I did a baptism for a woman whose husband just came to church off and on. And, and finally, I got to talk to him one-on-one. And, and I said to him, I'm going to call him uh, George. I said to him, George, uh, this is great that your wife's getting baptized, isn't it? He said, yeah, that's cool. I said, have you given much thought to your own relationship with God, George? And he said, no, nah, I'm not religious. I'm not religious. Yes, he is. He's religious about his guitars. George is religious about all things. His cat's he's religious about what he eats because it needs to be this way and not that way i i know this guy he is a religious person he is hiding behind a non-religious mask maybe even hiding from himself so that he doesn't have to think about his accountability to god and 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 hear this hear this many times many times those who say they don't believe in god are simply not wanting to face the concept of God and the responsibility that comes with it. And so they put on a mask. I'm not religious. I don't believe in God. That's good for you. I don't want to deal with those issues. Masks of knowledge. Religious people use them. Irreligious people use them. They have great appeal, and that's why they use them. You know, a a mask of knowledge can actually look really impressive. And we want to look impressive. Do you know what I think would be just the dream job? You ever watch on the History Channel the show called Pawn Stars? You know, you know, the name of that show almost seems like it's bad, right? Because it sounds like something that's not. But it's one of the cleanest shows on television, really. I, I watch way too much of that show. My wife's like, could we watch something different, please? Yeah, I guess so. Here's the dream job. To be one of the experts, they call it. You know, this is a really good-looking guitar here, but I don't know a lot about guitars. But I have a buddy who's a guitar expert. Would you mind if he came and took a look at it? I want to be the guitar expert for a number of reasons. I like guitars, and also I'm pretty sure they pay those guys pretty well who come in there to do the guitar appraising. That would be a pretty good thing to do. Also, I don't like bad weather, so Las Vegas seems like a good place for me to have a job and to live. But, But most importantly, I want to be that expert because I think it's impressive. They have experts on autographs, experts on guitars, experts on military stuff. They have experts on being an expert. The beard of knowledge, that's what they call that guy. I would love to be called the beard of knowledge. Don't start. <laughs> right? But really, don't you want to be impressive? Wow, I am so impressed with that young couple. Do you notice how they pray with their kids every night? I am so impressed with that, that woman... She really knows her Scripture. I am so impressed with that guy. He's really able to talk well when he speaks with kids. Don't you want someone to say that about you? I want to be impressive. So the mask of knowledge looks like a good thing for me to have on my face. It doesn't just make me look impressive. It makes me a winner. I can win if I have the knowledge. When I win, I feel good. My Uncle Tommy was maybe my favorite uncle. Uncle Tommy was a smoker. He smoked Sir Walter Raleigh cigarettes. I don't even know if they still make those. I'm not advocating you do that. And whenever he finished a carton of them, so many cartons, he could take all the, the little stickers off of them and mail them in, and he would get a Guinness Book of World Records. He gave me one every year. first one he ever gave me was when I graduated from high school. And I said, thanks, Uncle Tommy. This will put an end to a lot of arguments in a dormitory. I will win. I will win because I have the book of records in my hand. Uncle Tommy looked over at my dad and said, or it'll start a lot of arguments, one or the other. (laughs) He had a wisdom that a high school graduate doesn't have, high school senior doesn't have. I I just wanted to win because if I had the book of records, then I wouldn't know that. If I have the Bible, then I know that. I will win if I have that. And then I can feel good about myself because... No one dare challenge me on these things. And it will also allow me to hide the things that I don't know if I have the mask of knowledge. And it will also help me to detract attention from the areas of my life where I fail if I have the mask of knowledge. Yeah, it makes me a winner. And we like the mask of knowledge because it gives me a level of immunity. Immunity from accusation and even from suspicion sometimes. People, even people that have been in church for decades still make the same mistake. We have this idea that Bible knowledge equals godly character. It doesn't. It doesn't. And if you've heard it once, you've heard it a hundred times. The most biblically literate people in Scripture were the ones who put Jesus on the cross. They had the knowledge. They had the knowledge. But we, we tend to feel like, well, buddy, if that guy has Bible knowledge, then he must be okay. And this is why a celebrity preacher can get away with doing some really bad things because he has so much Bible knowledge, it must be okay. can't imagine that he did that. Have you heard him preach? I kind of like to have that mask of knowledge on my own face and then I can get away with some things. You see the mask of knowledge almost as a get-out-of-jail-free pass that we have in advance in case anyone ever suspects us of any impropriety. There's a lot to love about the mask of knowledge. But here's the deal, and this is not written in my text, but you have to hear this. The mask of knowledge is nothing more than a cover for the potholes in your heart that only God can cover and repair. Do you understand that? And if you have this mask of knowledge on your face that makes you look really good, then not even you know how not really good you are. And you cannot, I am stealing this line from Rob Reamer, hear this, you cannot mature beyond your level of self-awareness. If you are not aware that you have that problem, how do you ever expect that you would surpass that problem and resolve it? And if you have the mask of knowledge on your face and you look in the mirror every day and you see nothing but the mask, you don't know what needs to change inside of your heart. Do you understand that? So, how do we get that thing off our face? How do we remove the mask of knowledge? Let me just share a couple things right from the text that we read earlier. The first thing is, to remove the mask of knowledge, we need to come to terms with its deceit. You've got to know and you've got to admit that it is a lie. It's a lie. I, look at, listen rather, as I read from 1 Corinthians verse 8. I have the key phrase on the screen before you. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Okay, now when I think of that phrase, puffs up, I think of my chest expanding. Makes me arrogant when I'm knowledge. It does that. When I have knowledge. It does that. I, I think That phrase does mean that it makes me arrogant, but I think that there's more that it does than that. That phrase, knowledge puffs up, is one of the most literal translations from the Greek of any other sentence that you could find in the Bible. So often when you look at the Greek and you say, what is is being said here? You say, oh yeah, there's a, a nuance that just can't be communicated well in English, but it's straight up. Knowledge puffs up. It inflates. It inflates. Now, when I thought of that, I thought of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've been to Albuquerque, New Mexico because my son lives there. And every fall in Albuquerque, New Mexico, they have a balloon festival. The biggest in the world, if I'm not mistaken. It's just huge. And so we go to the balloon festival. Kill that one light behind Uh, this there, Jim. Just that one, yeah. yeah. Do you see? That's Uncle Seham. He's being inflated with hot air. Imagine Uncle Sam being inflated with hot air. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, knowledge is hot air. And it puffs up. And it can look like a beautiful and a majestic thing. I mean, when you, when you were driving through Albuquerque, and, and I just about rear-ended somebody, I'm driving along, Laurel and I, Tim's at work, I'm driving Tim's car, right? And, and we're counting like, look at that. 80, 90, 91, 92, 93, whoa, there's a car right there, you know? Right? It's a beautiful thing, all that hot air in the sky. It is. And knowledge can appear to be a very beautiful thing, but here's what you need to know about knowledge. What goes up does come down. It doesn't last. It is unstable. You can turn that light on if you would, Jim. It is as shaky as the bridge in the background. It is not lasting and, and if you wonder about that, oh, come on, now. knowledge, good, solid theology, how can that not be lasting, Pastor Steve? Well, listen to what Paul says to the church in Corinth in what we regard as the love chapter. Love never fails, he says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, there will be still... Look at that sentence. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. It does. It doesn't last. The thing that lasts is love. In fact, that verse in in 1 Corinthians 8, the last three words of it are, love builds up. Now here's something interesting. This is a case where the original language has a nuance that the English doesn't pick up. It isn't just that love builds up. It's actually that love builds up and emboldens. Now knowledge can make you bold. You know the answer to the question. You're right on it. On Jeopardy, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Double Jeopardy, bring it, buddy. Knowledge, I have knowledge, and it builds me up. But love, love emboldens me as well. And here's how it emboldens you. When you decide that you are going to get your identity and your courage and your worth, from a God who loved you enough to send His Son to die for you, and you allow that to sink into your very person, that gives you a sense of security that nothing else can. And when you are secure in your Father's love, man, you can stand up right now. You're built up. You're emboldened. And so what I see is that instead of trying to stand on my Bible knowledge... I need to learn to stand in the love of the Father in heaven. And when I do that, then I stand in safety. Then I stand in safety. Those who think they know something do not know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by Him. Come to terms with the deceit of knowledge and rest in the solid nature of the love of God. Here's a second way to get the mask off your face. Come to terms with the distraction that knowledge brings into your life. Look again at the words to first to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, where he says, Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to you. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what's falsely called knowledge, in which some have professed and, in so doing, have departed from the faith. Wow. Look at the phrase again there. I, I made the letters red. Turn away from Godless chatter. Turn away from that to, turn away from that stuff that's falsely called knowledge to the love of God. Here's what kind of happens. Focusing on constructing and maintaining a mask of knowledge is a full-time job. Because there's always someone who will challenge you and there's always someone who will know well. It demands all your attention and it, and it gives you a feeling that you are who you should be. But the love of God says, turn away from that mask. Let it go and come toward my love. Don't allow that mask to distract you from the great love that I have for you. Last month at the soul care conference that Laurel and I attended, Dr. Reamer said, he said many things that address this. He said this, that which you bow to is your deity. Whatever it is that you revere and you think is cool and you think is awesome and you're like, yeah, wow, the knowledge, the mask of knowledge, that's what's awesome. He says, that is your deity and it distracts you from the real God. From the real God. It's true. We all get distracted by that. So you want to get the mask off of your face come to terms with the reality that it is but a mere distraction. And third, and this is just so obvious, just admit that the mask doesn't work. See its inadequacy to fill the holes in your soul. That that Colossians verse that we read early on says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Do you see some of the adjectives that are there? Hollow. Deceptive. Human. Elemental. Every one of those descriptors is specifically placed there to let you know that knowledge is not the answer. That only the love of God is the answer. Trusting in His love is where you can begin to move in ways that you never had thought of before. So, do you wear this mask? I do. I wear it way too often. Today, I want to ask you, as we take communion in a few moments, you'll be holding the bread, you'll be holding the cup, you'll be listening to the music, the communion stewards will be going up and down the aisle. That's your time with God to take off the mask and to talk to him. I want to ask you during that time to shed it. I'm I'm not saying that means we'll stop studying God's Word, right? We believe that all Scripture is inspired by God, God breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And and we believe that we should study to show ourselves approved as workmen who don't need to be ashamed rightly handling the Word of Truth. We're not letting go of the Bible. We're letting go of the false mask of knowledge that we wear so we don't have to deal with the Bible. That's what I'm asking you to shed. I'm asking you to talk to God and say, God, help me remove this prop, this mask in my life, so I can be real with You. And, and, and help me to stop covering over my own sin my own wounds, my own frailty with something as shaky as a bridge over a gorge in, in Pakistan. Please help me not cover it with that, but rather, God, let your, your son's blood co- cover over my inadequacies as I rest in his life. And you will rest in the Father's life.